Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We're looking, starting a new series here at Ivy, looking at the Bible's book of James. It's uh, Jesus's half-brother and Jesus's younger brother, um, born to Joseph. So his dad was a different dad because Jesus's dad, as we know, is God, the father. And so we're going to be looking at that later. This uh, week has involved sitting down at the bedside of one of my best friends, Dave Clark, and to be there and hold his hand and to be praying for him, to be reading out texts from people to him, to be playing um, songs to him and uh, worship songs and, and messages from his family and so many people who've been impacted by this wonderful, incredible, beautiful man, Dave Clark. And so, uh, yeah, my heart's grieving today, but what a privilege to be able to sit with him there um, together with his brother, Steve, and to, uh, as he, he, to see his last breath here and to, and to say to him, yeah, go to be with Jesus and to know that that's where Dave longed to be. And that's where he is right now. And I'm so grateful for that. But, you know, New Year's Eve and New Year, we, we were together with them as, as, as uh, close friends. We spent New Year together and uh, we were talking about the future and what was going to happen and how we envisaged that this would happen and that would happen as we were going to just be able to do that. And I don't know if you've ever seen this picture. It's floating around of Facebook of my plan versus God's plan. Um, but isn't that so often the case that I have this particular picture of what I think it's all going to be like and then something else happens and it certainly doesn't go according to my plan and, uh, and, and sometimes I'm very grateful for that and at other times I'm really confused by it. I was reading that in, uh, in 1588 there were terrible storms that uh, lashed across uh, Shetland and across the Orkney Isles and, and one man who was a Christian, who was a fisherman at the time, saw his cottage and then he saw his, his, uh, his boat destroyed and all of his fishing equipment all just being washed away in these terrible storms that lasted for, for weeks. And he nearly lost his faith, he nearly lost his mind through that time as he was praying to God, let the storm stop. Why is this storm happening? And he's asking God to, to let it stop and it didn't, it didn't stop and it really shook his faith. It was like, I was praying but this happened, and, and what happened, God, and where were you, and why did that happen? Where were you, God? What were you doing? And I think we've all asked questions like that at different points, that whatever your storms look like in life. But that picture of God's plan and my plan is so real. As I look back, even over the last few years, there's some things that, that uh, I thought would never happen that happened, things that I thought I'd never see that I've seen, and, and pain that I've never wanted to feel that I've I've gone through and that's why rather than turn away from the Lord that actually drives me to him I need him more than ever in those times and I don't know how anybody would be able to get through what we have to go through without knowing the Lord I don't know how I just know I wouldn't have been able to do that one of my granddaughter's favorite books so often you know what we teach the kids is what we need to learn ourselves she's only uh, you know a little one, but we read this book and it's like for three and four year olds and everything but she knows it and she knows that the refrain that goes through it uh, it's we're going on a bear hunt and when you read that story you realize yes there's this adventure that these people are going on which is like a picture of life and they set out on, a, on an adventure but then before long there's a river to cross 
there's high grass that you can't see your way through. There's mud that gets you dirty. And then there's a deep, dark forest to go through. And then at the end, there's a cave and you don't even know what's in the cave. And all the way through that same refrain keeps on going and Poppy knows it by heart. And so she just says it, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh no, we have to go through it. Oh no, we have to go through it. That's life. We're all going through something. You've been through some things in the past. You're going through something right now and you're going to go through more in the future. That is not in question. The question is, how are you going to get through these things? And we'll see again that the Bible doesn't gloss over these tough questions or pretend that they don't exist. Actually, it says we can't avoid these things. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. He's very clear about that. We can't go over it. We wish we could go round it, etc. We can't get under it. We have to go through it. So if you have a Bible, why don't you open it at James in chapter one? And if not, you, know, you can do that on the internet. You can biblegateway.com and put that in there. Or version is a free app that you can download and get all the Bible translations you want on there for free. But Let's pause for a minute before I, I read these words and you can read along with them. And, you know, you're praying as Matt prayed and, and we're praying again now for those who are struggling, for those who are mourning, for those who are grieving, for those of us who are feeling incredible pain right now that we'll be able to, to go through and pray for me that I'll be able to get through what I have to go through as I try and, um, yeah, do this now. Well, we pray for faith and we pray for perseverance and we pray for hope and we pray for strength for the tests and the trials and even for joy through them, which this passage is going to say, says it's possible for us to have. And Lord, I pray that for myself and I pray that for everybody now who's watching, especially we pray for, I do pray for my dear friends, Clarks. And, and I pray for Nick Duffy and for his dad and pray for so many other people too, Lord, at this time. May your your words speak to us and, and do what only you can do. Amen. So James chapter one starts off, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say I'm his brother. He says I'm his servant. That's how he sees himself. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Persecution has come from Jerusalem and he's starting to scatter the church all over the place. The pressure is coming upon them and pressure sometimes can, can just make us scatter. Hard time scattered. Right now we're in the church in your house because of something that's happened in the world which has pushed people out to enable them to be able to, to meet with God actually wherever they are. God can still work that out. But as I said, James is Jesus' half-brother. He's his younger brother fathered by Joseph, and it seems every indication is that he, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah or the Son of God growing up. He was like, my amazing older brother, but that was all. And there's a time you can read about it in the Bible when all of the family got around Jesus, and they were like saying, you know, come home. Don't continue doing this. You say, telling people you're the Son of God, yeah, you're doing these amazing miracles, and Messiah stuff's going to get you in big trouble, and we love you. And he's a bit like, you know, you're the crazy older brother, and we need to get you home so we can look after you. And, and, you know, it's from a heart of love that they're saying that to him. But Jesus says, actually, I've got to continue to do the will of my father, no matter what happens. So James didn't become a believer until after the cross, after the resurrection, when Jesus appeared to him alive again after the cross. Paul says that James appeared uh, to 500 people, over 500 people all at once. Then after that, he appeared to James and then he appeared to Paul himself 
And it's only after that post-resurrection experience that, that James said, wow, it's true. My older brother is God. And he believed him. And what an incredible proof that is. You know, just after the week after Easter, if you're wondering whether or not this is true, my question for you is, you know, if it was a member, if it, I know that actually watching this is somebody who um, I just saw who's come up, who's quite famous off the telly, who's uh, Kevin Kennedy, who used to come here to Ivy. And um, there was a time years ago when my brother looked like him a bit, like Curly Watts. And uh, when they used to always have the same haircut and the same glasses and stuff like that. My older brother, Terry. Now, if if after if I if 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 Teddy died, he's not you know God forbid. But then if 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 Curly Watts, if if Kevin Kennedy came to the door and said, "Hi, I'm your brother," I'd I'd be like, "No, you're not. You look a bit like him, and you know maybe you sound like him because you're from Manchester." But but I know my brother. See, James knew his brother, and he knew his brother died, and he saw him alive, and that's what convinced him that Jesus really is who he says he is. And so he's writing this, this, this letter now, very early on, he became a prominent leader of the church in Jerusalem. He, he was known as James the Just. So this is written about 65 AD. And actually his, his enemies pressured him. And the way that he died soon after writing this is they took him to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. And they said, we're gonna throw you off here unless you renounce this mad belief that your brother is the son of God. And he said, I can't deny it. I've seen him, he's alive. And then they threw him off the top of the temple, but that didn't kill him. And then they actually were beating him with clubs as he, as he to, to kind of put him out of his misery. As he said the same words as his brother had, had died saying, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So let, let's get into the book with a little, a little clip from uh, the Bible Project from a great video to help you understand the book as we, we do it in the next few weeks. The letter of James, or at least that's his name in English, if you look in the Greek, you will see that his name is Yaakobos, which translates his Hebrew name Yaakov. And that's why most ancient and modern translations render his name as Jacob. And that's what we're going to call him in this video. Now, there are many Jacobs in the New Testament. Two of them belong to Jesus' inner circle of the 12 disciples. But this letter comes from the Jacob, who was the half-brother of Jesus himself. Now, we learn this Jacob's story from the book of Acts and from Paul's letters. After Peter moved on from Jerusalem to go start new churches, Jesus' half-brother Jacob rose to prominence as a leader in the mother church in Jerusalem. It was made up mostly of Messianic or Christian Jews. This was the first Christian community ever, and we know that it fell on hard times during the 20 years that Jacob was its leader. There was a famine that led to great poverty in the region, and these Messianic Jews were being persecuted by Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. But through it all, Jacob was known as a pillar of the Jerusalem church. He was also known as a peacemaker who led with wisdom and courage until he was tragically murdered. And in this book, we have the legacy of Jacob's teaching and wisdom condensed into a short and very powerful work. The book begins like a letter. He greets all the Messianic Jews who were living outside the land of Israel. But this does not read like one of Paul's letters where he addresses specific problems in one local church. Rather, this book is a summary of Jacob's sage wisdom for any and every community of Jesus' followers. And Jacob's goal isn't to teach new theological information. Rather, he wants to get in your business and challenge how you live. Jacob's wisdom has been heavily influenced by two sources. The first is Jesus' teaching about life in the kingdom of God, especially the Sermon on the Mount, which he's constantly echoing and quoting in the book. The second key influence is the biblical wisdom book of Proverbs, especially the poems in Proverbs 1 through 9. 
Jacob literally grew up with Jesus and with the book of Proverbs. And so now his own teaching sounds like them. It's stamped by their language and imagery. The book consists of short, challenging wisdom speeches that are full of metaphors and easy to memorize one-liners. And in essence, Jacob is calling the Messianic community to become truly wise by living according to Jesus' summary of the Torah, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to see here that James is talking about these um, bad things that happen, about them, about um, stuff that happens and we don't understand it. But, but if I was going to summarize what he's trying to say in this passage we're going to look at today, it's this, it's that bad things will happen, but never doubt that God is good. Bad things still happen. God is still good. We're going to, we're going to look at this and we're going to see some of the things that he tells us, tests that we go through and trials, if you like, in life, what they do for us. Let me read it with me. James chapter one, verse two it says, consider it or count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds or literally various kinds of trials. It isn't just like there's one kind of trial, there's all kinds of trials. Why? Because you know, you know something. You know that the testing of your faith produces, what does it produce? Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. In other words, you, you can't get that quickly so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, if you pull out of this too soon, if you, if you give way under the pressure of it, you're going to miss the lesson. He says trials of many kinds will come. It's not like that isn't going to happen. It isn't like you're going to have one and then you're going to be, oh, that's great now. I've had my trial, my test in life. Everything's going to be perfect from now on. And, but think back to school. What's the worst kind of test? I know the worst kind of test for me was when it was like a sudden test and you weren't prepared for it. It's like when the French teacher would say, okay, we're going to have a vocabulary test. And I'd be like, oh, I only remember one word at this point and it is like murdered. You know, I kind of can't think of any other at the moment. And, but if I was prepared for the test, if I knew it was coming, if I was ready for it, that's what God's trying to do through the Bible here. That's what God's trying to do through speaking through James to us here. Get ready, he says, for the testing times. And notice it's plural. It's not just one. It's, it's, there's, there's many varieties. There's sicknesses. There's loss of a job, loss of a loved one. And, and oh, no, I can't get around this. I've got to go through it. So the question is not whether we're going to go through these things, but how. And the, again, the worst test at school, actually, for me, were maths. But James uses a maths word here. When he says consider, it's literally count. And what he's saying is, don't necessarily put that in the minus column. Put it in the add column because there's a way through with pure joy. Put it in the plus column. Not because of what I feel, but because of what I know. I've cried so many tears this week. It's been uncontrollable at times. And yet there's something in here that kind of keeps going because I've got a future focus. And, and the word there for knowledge, it's not about what you know in your head. It's what you know in your heart. It's who you know in your heart. It's practical lived experience of, of not something you read about, but other things that you've gone through in the past that help to get you through what you're going to go through. So this word perseverance, oh, it's in the Greek, it's hupermini. And literally, it's staying power. It's, it's patient endurance. Literally, the word hupermini means to stay under to remain under the weight, under the pressure, not cracking, not running away, not giving up and dropping it. And that, he says, 
produces something. It produces strength. It produces tenacious faith. It, it gives you, you know, astronauts, they say, there's no gravity. And so their muscles weaken. Their muscles atrophy because there's nothing to push against. Yet there's pressures and things in life that grow our faith. James said, the testing, the trials that we go through, if we stay under them, if we don't wimp out of them in some way, they produce perseverance and they lead to maturity. Something grows. We get growing pains. Isn't that the way we always mature in life? It's growing pains. You, you stumble, you fall, you pick yourself up again, you fail, you dust yourself off, you cry, you dry your tears. Somehow you, you go again and you, you cry again, but you keep on going. That's how we move forward. That's how, how a child learns to walk, and it's how we have to learn to live. And if that's true physically, wouldn't it also be true emotionally? Wouldn't it be true relationally? And wouldn't it be true spiritually too? That if you persevere under pressure, something precious is going to come from that. The trials prove your faith. And the second thing that tests do is that they make it personal. Verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed about by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do it's like how can you know if i'm asking for this but then i'm asking for that and i'm asking for that how can god give me because i can't even make my mind up what it is that i'm praying for and sometimes it is difficult to know what to pray for isn't it because we have a picture and we think we know what's going on and so we think of course this will be the right thing to pray but there comes a point at which i've got to go ah, but i don't know because i'm not god that orkney fisherman who struggled and even raged against god as he watched his house and his boat being destroyed in the storm. He didn't know that the same storms at the same time were destroying a third of what was known as the invincible Spanish Armada. That saving our nation from invasion. See, I can think I know what's happening and I can even blame God when it doesn't happen the way that I think it should happen and he doesn't do what I think he should do. But actually, I haven't got the bigger picture and I'm not God. So in those question times when I'm not sure what to ask, I'll tell you what I can ask for, because he says here, I can ask for wisdom, for wisdom. Even in the storms of life, I don't have to be double-minded. I can be sure of something that he says, God will give it when I ask. God's going to give me not necessarily what I want, but he'll give me what I need. And then I'm not wobbling all over in the storms. I'm not unstable in all my ways. Because he says, if you stay unstable in one way, your life's just going to be unstable in every way too. So I'm with Dave and his brother Steve, and I'm, I'm desperate, and I'm praying, and I've got messages coming in, and there's people encouraging me, pray like this, and pray like that, and here's a scripture, and it's like, well, should I just pray for the miracle now? Should I, should I just pray now, you know, even after he's, he's, he's died, should I, Jesus, he died and rose again, is this like the moment, do I now pray for resurrection? And, and, and I get a text from some other people that are coming in, and it's like, you know, some people just seem so confident, just, they're just sort of like, no, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. And, and it's like, there's just, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, I can't at the moment pray like that as I look into my friend's face. And, and, then, and then actually, I remember actually, yeah, Christians do die too. I, and, and that's not the worst thing. The worst thing for a Christian is not to die. 
at all. In fact, you know, the worst thing that can happen in your life is that you live the whole of it and die without Jesus. That's the worst. And Dave, Dave would know that. You know, anybody who knows Dave would know how often he talks about heaven, how he would smile and how he would talk about how great Jesus is and how great it's going to be to be in heaven. And then he'd say, he'd want to make sure that people knew, are you going to be there? Or do you know Jesus? Are you going to be there too? Anybody who knew Dave knew that he knew that. So how do I pray? Should I just go for comfort? Should I just go, Lord, give us your presence? I don't, I don't know what to pray for sometimes. And sometimes that's why that Holy Spirit gift of speaking in tongues comes in, because I don't even know what I pray for. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit in some way can pray through me. But, and, but the fact is here, there's, there's this prayer that I can pray and you can pray any day, any time, no matter what we're going for. Pray for wisdom. Lord, I need wisdom. Father, you love me. Thank you that you love me. I don't understand. I don't get it. I'm a little child. I want to just put my head on your, on your chest and hear your heart beat. And, and, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to pray. Lord, just give me wisdom. I lack wisdom. And he says he'll give it to me. I don't know what's going on, Lord. I think it, it sometimes doesn't even feel like you know what's going on. I don't know what to do with that. Give me wisdom. 27 ships in the Spanish Armada were shipwrecked off the west coast of Ireland by those same storms that the Orkney fishermen saw that his boat and his house and his fishing equipment were blown away in. 5,000 of the bedraggled Spanish army were killed as they landed by the people who lived there in the country, but some French mercenaries were allowed to live and stay in Ireland. And my dad years ago did some research, which at the time he didn't find very flattering, but it said that many of the illegitimate children of those French mercenaries were collectively rounded up and they were named after the region of France that they came from in Northern France. And all of these illegitimate children, they were given the name, the Delaney's, the Delaney's from that region. The storm that sank the fisherman's boat is the reason that I'm here today. I don't get the bigger picture. Praying for wisdom may not get me what I want, but getting wisdom helps me not just to necessarily get understanding in my head, but some comfort in my heart. And to know I can't run the universe actually does something else that tests do. It breaks my pride, breaks my pride. What breaks my heart actually can often break my pride. It says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position and the rich should take pride in their humiliation when things bring us low. Since they will pass away like a wild flower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. All this stuff that people put their trust and their hope in it's all going to go, and we will too. And this passage has helped me so much this awful week, reading through the book of James. And, and it's helped me too. You, you carry on and read the book of James. It talks about, remember, your life is short. It's a breath. He says it's a vapor. Don't hold fast to your own plans. God's got other plans. And, and we're going to be reminded of that as, as we study the book of James. I urge you to join one of our online grow groups and to study this together. We've got this incredible stuff with Right Now Media, which if you're an Ivy person plugged into what we're doing, you get these great studies with Francis Chan helping us dig even deeper into James. But what this says is don't let life fool you. 
It's all going to be blown away like a breeze. So many things that we strive for, fight for, compare ourselves against somebody else because they got this and I only got that. It's all going to fade away anyway. And like my mate Dave used to always say, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. That's our real legacy in life. Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, very famous book. The original book of that in the, for the first habit, which is about getting some sense of perspective in your life. They did a, an exercise where they said, imagine it's your funeral. And then you've got, if you're married, you've got your partner or you've got, uh, you've got your children, if you have children, and you've got people that you work with and friends and, and they're all going to stand up and say something about you at your funeral. What would you want them to say? And then in later editions, they changed it because it was like people didn't want to think that they might die as if any of us gets out of this alive. And so they made it, you know, it's your 80th birthday party. Well, if that works for you, if you can't face the fact that the mortality rate is still 100% where you live, then keep it as an 80th birthday thing. But what would you want people to say about you? And that's a great question because we get to choose that now by the way that we live, the way that we lead, the way that we love will leave a legacy. And Dave's just left this incredible legacy. But it challenges me. And, and some of the, when I read some things that they said about Dave, well, I won't be able to read out now, or I'll definitely be in bits. I have a box of tissues on standby, but there's, there's no mention there of his car, no mention of his house or, or, or that anything else. It's all about relationships, just like he said. And when I was reading those messages from friends, some of you sent them in, in the intensive care unit at that moment with Steve opposite. And, and, and it was all about his love. And, for, and the, the messages that were coming to him were, were about his, just thanking him for his integrity, thanking him for his kindness and for his generosity and for his, the way he would always, he'd always go and in, encourage something in somebody. I would always see the good in people and how he encouraged everybody to believe in themselves and to believe in God like he believed in God. And what a great husband and what an amazing man of God he was and what a brilliant friend. And like I say, how many times he'd say to us with a smile, isn't Jesus great and isn't heaven going to be great? Because he lived every day with his eye on that future, knowing it's through the tests we gain the treasure. And my second favourite book after the Bible is The Pilgrim's Progress. Don't know if you've ever read it. But the, the full title of that is The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which Is to Come. And the 10th chapter of the journey is how they get to the celestial city, to heaven. After all the fights and the failures and the trials and the temptations and the difficulties, after the lions that have roared that they've had to go past, after the, the times they've been captured by the giant despair and thrown into his dungeon, had to escape, and, and, and they've gone through Vanity Fair, all these different things. Then they come finally to this river that they have to cross and two golden guides appear that they can ask questions of, but they look and they see there's no bridge over the river, no way round it. No way under it. Got to go through it. And I'll quote from it. And it says, and the river was very deep. And the pilgrims began to despair in their minds and looked this way and that, but found no way of escaping the river. Then they asked the men if the waters were all of a depth. And they said, no, but you shall find it shallower as you believe in the king of this place. And then they stepped into the water and entering Christian began to sink and crying out to his good friend, hopeful. He said, 
I'm sinking in deep waters. The billows go over my head and all his waves have gone over me. Then said the other, be of good cheer, my brother. My feet are on the bottom. It is well. And then Christian said, ah, my friend, but the sorrows of death have surrounded me. I fear I shall not see the land that flows with milk and honey. And a great darkness and horror fell upon Christian. So he could not see before him, but in his heart came fears that he would die in the river and not obtain entrance at the gate. Hopeful struggled to keep his brother's head above water. Sometimes he himself would go under, then after a while rise up again, half dead. Hopeful tried to comfort Christian, saying, Brother, I see the gate and the men standing there to receive us. These troubles and distresses you go through in these waters are no sign that God has forsaken you. But I sent to test you, to see whether you will call to mind those times in the past when you received his goodness in your distresses. And then I saw in my dream that hopeful added these words, be of good cheer, Jesus Christ makes you whole. And with that, Christian broke out with a loud voice. Oh, I see him. And he tells me when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And then they both took courage and found ground to stand upon. And then the rest of the river was shallow and they got over. In this life, we have to pass tests and then we graduate at the other end. You, you get to drive the car, you get the job because the lessons that you learned, because of the mistakes you made, because of the tests that you passed and didn't give up. You can't go around it, you can't get over it, you've got to go through it. But God's tests always lead to treasure. Because he never wants to crush me. He's waiting to crown me. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.